So Brett Favre jumped on a volleyball podcast called The Sandcast back in March, and you probably missed it. But the NFL legend, the 52-year-old Hall of Famer, he raved about the volleyball program at his alma mater, Southern Miss, where his daughter just happened to be on the team. And it became very clear how much Brett Favre loved the university's volleyball facilities. One thing I can brag about with our program, we have we have the second best facilities, mm-hmm. in, maybe in the country. And they're outstanding. You, you go in our indoor facility, they have a hot and cold tub, they have a weight room, they have a training room. They don't have to go in to any of the athletic facilities because mm-hmm. they have their own. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's spectacular. It really is. But volleyball facilities are no longer something for Brett Favre to brag about. Now that he is at the center of a sprawling scandal in Mississippi, sparking headlines nationally and outrage across his home state. An investigative report by Mississippi Today revealed Tuesday that former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant helped former NFL quarterback Brett Favre obtain welfare funds in order to help build a new volleyball center at the University of Southern Mississippi. State auditors determined nonprofit leaders misspent at least $77 million in welfare funds in the largest case of public fraud in Mississippi history. So today, we bring you the reporter who broke the news and has been investigating this case in Mississippi from the very beginning. And we learn how the story of Brett Favre is really the story of so much more. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, September 21st. This is ESPN Daily. Anna Wolf, it is good to meet the person whose reporting has been at the center of just one of the biggest stories in sports right now. So first off, just thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I want to clarify something here at the very top. We're doing something a bit different on ESPN Daily because you do not work for ESPN. You work for an outlet called Mississippi Today. And for folks who may not know Mississippi Today, can you just tell us a little bit about it? Like, how would you describe its journalistic mission and also your beat there? Sure. So Mississippi Today is an online nonprofit news organization. We started in 2016 and I came on in 2018. And I really had asked the editor there if I could take over a beat that had not existed before and had really not existed in state history in any recent years, the poverty beat. Mm. And so I was able to come on and sort of build that beat out. Uh, My main priority was just looking at public assistance funds in Mississippi, public assistance programs, the social safety net, and just kind of seeing how that was working out for people. Mississippi, you know, has the highest poverty rate in the nation, about one in five people in this state live in poverty. And yet, when you talk about the social safety net, public assistance programs, welfare, Medicaid, food stamps, food assistance, you really see that we have some of the most meager public assistance and social safety net policies in the nation. And you can't really talk about poverty in Mississippi without overlapping that with race. Mm. You see across the country that in states that are more homogenous, a higher percentage of white people those states have more generous social safety net programs. So based on the trend, it's no surprise that in the state with the highest Black population in the country, about 40% of our state is Black, you know, we do not favor social safety net programs. We do not favor using the funds that we have, using the resources that we have to uplift people in poverty. 
And so when you started this beat, did you have any idea, Anna, that Brett Favre would wind up being such a big subject in all of your reporting? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, this is the story that's kind of mind-blowing on a couple of different levels then, because Brett Favre is the former Green Bay Packers quarterback, the NFL Hall of Famer, an incredibly famous person in our world. And this scandal he's involved in that you have been reporting on, investigating, breaking news about, it involves the former governor of Mississippi and the misuse of welfare funds in the state where you are. And I guess if you could distill Favre's involvement, like what exactly happened here? So around 2016, the welfare program began changing under this former director, John Davis. And they started pushing out just tens of millions of dollars out of this federal program called Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, TANF. The programs weren't really designed to help people directly. It was more like a resource referral program. And that opened up the door for officials to spend the money in all these kinds of wild ways, ways that benefited their political cronies and friends and family. In 2020, the state auditor arrested six people related to a scheme to misspend at least $4 million of these federal funds. At that point, we had no idea anything about Brett Favre, but we did know that one of the companies that received $2 million in allegedly stolen welfare dollars was a pharmaceutical company called Previctus. A little bit more research later, I was able to break the story that this company was being invested in by Brett Favre. Brett Favre had taken this company to the state government to say, hey, can you help me get this company some money? And that's how that money ended up going to that company. There's just been kind of a trickle of information over the last two and a half years after that about just how involved Brett Favre was in spending of these welfare funds, not just in this pharmaceutical project, but also helping $5 million go to a volleyball stadium at Southern Miss. And he also took a million dollars himself under sort of a PSA gig where he was going to be promoting this new welfare program, which we found out recently was just another way to get more money to the volleyball stadium. Right. This is the now infamous volleyball stadium at the school where his daughter just happened to be on the team and where Brett Favre himself also happens to be a legendary alum. That's right. Just so I understand this, and that's, I mean, it, it, it's a fascinatingly tangled web, but it sounds, Anna, like the, the real crux of this is that the civil suit that's going on right now where the text messages are coming out, <laughs> most recently that just made all of this news, the giant splash that lands the story at our doorstep. Can you just remind us here what the civil suit there is about? How would you summarize that? So... The state auditor came out with his big report that questioned $94 million in spending from the Department of Human Services back in 2020. Following that, the agency commissioned a forensic audit that would get, you know, a little deeper in determining how much of that money was waste, fraud, and abuse, or just unallowable, you know, violated federal regulations around welfare spending. And so in October of 2021, the forensic auditors released their report that officially found unallowable $77 million worth of misspending out of this fund. Mm. It might be theft. It might be money that was embezzled and then given to people that shouldn't have received it. Or it was just purchases that violated federal regulations around welfare spending. And so the state took that report to say, okay, these are the purchases that we're going to try to go after. 
And so the civil suit is against 38 people or companies that receive this money improperly, including Mr. Favre. And so, Anna, just to better understand Favre's involvement here, we do need you to tell us about a woman named Nancy New. So who is Nancy New? How was she involved in the civil suit? Nancy New is a private school founder. So she's really moved in the private school space. And she started this nonprofit, you know, many years ago that has been operating on government grants to provide services to people in need. As I mentioned that the welfare program began changing under John Davis. Part of that was that they were pushing out tens of millions of welfare funds to just two nonprofits across the state. And one was Nancy News organization here in Jackson. She's actually a really good friend of Phil Bryant's wife. Phil Bryant was the former governor. And so when they opened up these big grants that they were going to offer to these nonprofits, she was kind of a shoe in. They didn't even do, you know, a formal application process. They basically just gave her this money, gave her kind of free reign to spend this money. The welfare director, John Davis, and the welfare director through the governor, they were directing her to spend this money in, in all these kinds of wild ways. She was buying cars. She was paying lease agreements on all kinds of property across the state that she owned. So she was really, you know, using the money to enrich herself, but also to sort of ingratiate herself with politicians in Mississippi. Dr. Nancy New has been called a politically connected nonprofit administrator. She's also been indicted on fraud and embezzlement charges, accused of transferring millions in TANF funds meant for the state's poorest families to her private businesses. She was arrested back in 2020 and she pled guilty to 13 counts, including bribery and also a RICO charge, racketeering. Since she's pled guilty, and she got a pretty generous deal, by the way, she's cooperating with prosecutors. And so in this most recent filing in the civil suit, she has put forth these text messages where Nancy New and Brett Favre were communicating about the idea of funding this volleyball stadium. So Nancy New pleaded guilty in this criminal case. As part of that, she is now cooperating with authorities, meaning she is providing information against others who may have been involved in this scheme. She's providing evidence in the civil case where the state is looking to get money back from Brett Favre and others. And, and this is how those text messages became public. And so, Anna, I just need you to help us with the chronology here. When did Brett Favre first ask for funding for the volleyball stadium. So this goes back to about 2017. Brett Favre is trying to get money to build this volleyball stadium at his daughter's school where she plays volleyball. In July of 2017, there was a meeting where Brett Favre initially takes the idea of funding this volleyball stadium to the Department of Human Services and Nancy New and John Davis at DHS immediately commits $4 million to the volleyball stadium. Mississippi is full of people and leaders who really exalt celebrity and really care about being connected to people that make them feel important and powerful. Mm -hmm. And Brett Favre was one of those individuals that I think they were willing to appease in order to feel connected. And, you know, Brett Favre's kind of like, you know, Mississippi's favorite son. So after that meeting, they really had to get the governor on board to start pushing that money to the volleyball stadium. So you saw text messages where Nancy New and Brett Favre were communicating about 
you know, just getting off the phone with the governor and he's on board. You know, we're going to make it work. Nancy knew rights to Favre. Wow, just got off the phone with Phil Bryant. He is on board with us. We will get this done. They, at one point, realized that they were going to need more money than what was initially committed by DHS. And so that was when Brett Favre came up with the idea that you can pay me to cut a commercial for the welfare program and that I can put that money into the volleyball project. And when they were coming up with the plans for that, he texted Nancy New and said, is there any way that the media can find out where this money came from and how much if you give it to me? Favre asks New, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? New replied no, but added, I understand you being uneasy about that. She says, no, we never publicized that, but I can understand why you would want to be careful about that. That was essentially her response, which is so ironic (laughs) to think about now because I was visiting her at her office in 2018. This would have been about a year after the money was first sent to the volleyball stadium. I was at her office asking her, pleading with her to give me some documentation of how they were spending this money. And she you know, she continued to blow me off. She was telling me, oh, yeah, we'll get you that information. We'll we'll find some reports for you. And all the while texting, you know, oh, we never publicize that information or we, we don't put that information out. This is public money, you know. Right. And the fact right. that they thought that they could just spend it without disclosing any of that to the public is just mind boggling. Right. This text, I mean, when you saw it, what, what did you think? Because this is the thing that jumped off of the screen and staggered me. Yeah, I think that shows the intentionality and it shows their sort of desire to operate in secrecy, right? Right. It's hard for me sometimes when I'm reading all this stuff to, to like decide which is a bigger deal than something else, you know? I mean, it's just been so astonishing to see how these people communicated in writing. Yes. And the way that they were communicating with such secrecy that kind of pokes holes in the story that Brett Favre didn't know that the money was coming from the welfare fund, which is what has been his main defense through all of this. They haven't been super talkative here lately. They just say that the the attorney for Favre says that, you know, he acted honorably throughout this process and that he didn't know that the money wasn't supposed to be going to this. And, and we should point out, too, that Brett Favre's attorney has said separately to our own John Barr that Favre did not know where the money came from. But the indication in these texts pretty clearly, it, it does seem that Favre was at least concerned about the media finding out that he had gotten this money at all. There was actually one text where he was texting the founder of this company, Prepicus. And he was trying to think of ways to get more money to this company. And he told his business associate that Nancy New gave him $5 million for V-Ball via grant money. And this is a text that we published back in April. Mm. So he knew it was grant money. Grant money is not private money. I think that that shows that he knew that it was federal money. You know, I think it's important to note that these folks didn't just take this money from this fund. They didn't embezzle it and then put it over to the volleyball stadium. They wrote a pretty creative grant in order to make this work, to pass muster at the Department of Human Services. And that grant was that Nancy knew was actually going to lease this property. That's how the money got there. 
in exchange for the nonprofit being able to use the facilities to offer programming to people in poverty. <laughs> so, you know, rallies for high school kids or parenting classes, things like this. I mean, anyone looking at that proposal, they're going to build a volleyball stadium for $5 million so that she can provide programming in the middle of the campus at USM to people in poverty? I mean, come on. Coming up, how the alleged welfare scheme starts to unravel. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Anna, I do want to talk about the actual money here, because at what point does the money move from Mississippi's Department of Human Services to the whole volleyball stadium project that Brett Favre had been talking about? So after that meeting in July of 2017, John Davis commits this $4 million. The money kind of didn't come immediately, but there was a text that Nancy sent to Brett Favre where she says, I just met with the governor you know, we're going to get this done. And then four days after that, the first $2.5 million payment from the nonprofit goes to the Athletic Foundation to begin breaking ground on the project. And then another $2.5 million is sent from the nonprofit in December of 2017, as well as the first $500,000 payment to Brett Favre directly under this, you know, promotional gig. And that's when Brett Favre texts Nancy after receiving that payment that Santa came today. Nancy, Santa came today and dropped some money off. Thank you. My goodness. Thank you. We need to set up the promo for you soon. You are way too kind. And then he says, we'll have to get together to film that radio spot. And so he hadn't even done any work at that point. In June of 2018 is when another 600000 went to Favre. I have information that the radio ads went out um, and were played on stations across the state around October of 2018. And that's, that's all that I'm aware of as far as what he did for that money. And so we're in June 2019 now, and something happens at the State Department of Human Services, the department run by John Davis, that puts the funding that we've been discussing into some jeopardy. What happened? So in June of 2019, John Davis is actually testifying before Congress about how great our social safety net programs are being run. And while he's in D.C., his deputy takes information about suspected fraud. Um, It was actually a $48,000 contract that was supposed to go to this retired WWE wrestler to give opioid addiction training to people across the state. Mm. John Davis was sending his checks to his own P.O. box. And the employee at DHS took that information over to the governor who turned that information over to the auditor. 
And that is really what spawned this entire investigation. Just a small, you know, tip about $48,000. But when the investigators started pulling that thread, it all began to unravel. Davis uh, faces charges for allegedly defrauding the state. The state auditor alleges that he redirected millions of dollars in federal funds away from critical welfare programs and into his own and his associates' pockets. John Davis was ousted at that point in June of 2019, which sort of threw a wrench in all of these ongoing projects, including Favre's projects, which were both the volleyball stadium that was still being built and still needed you know, more money to finish. And then also these pharmaceutical projects that Favre was getting the state to invest in. And so when John Davis was ousted, he started getting concerned, you know, is this new director going to get on board with us? Is he going to allow this money to continue flowing to my projects? And there was a text that Brett Favre sent to his business associate saying that the new director wasn't our guy. And the business associate responding that we might need to make the governor make him our guy. So now that John Davis, the guy who was controlling the purse strings, is out of the picture, is Brett Favre able to get the new director of the Department of Human Services on his side? So this new director, Christopher Fries, he's actually a former FBI agent that Phil Bryant replaces John Davis with. And so at one point, Phil Bryant and Nancy New and Brett Favre meet with Christopher Fries at the governor's office to try to discuss this volleyball project and getting more money to the project. And it's at that point, Christopher says that he put his foot down and said, no, we're not putting any more money in this volleyball stadium. Right now, we don't know if any more money went to the volleyball project. And this is in late 2019. And the auditor's investigation is underway. And so that's when things really started to kind of slow down in terms of money flowing to Brett Favre. There were some conversations in early 2020 about trying to get money from other state agencies, you know, once everything dried up at the Department of Human Services to finish out the project. And it looks like they were really discussing very seriously using money from the community college board or from the Department of Rehabilitation Services. Mm. But we don't know at this point if any of that money actually got there. And so as we are parsing all of the ways in which Brett Favre is entangled in this, the notion that in May of this year, Brett Favre was accused of accepting $1.1 million from the Mississippi government for these speaking appearances that he may or may not have ever made. Anna, what, what are the details there? What should we understand about the speaking engagement part of the financial story here? You know, that has been kind of the big headline over the last two years where Brett Favre is concerned that he took a million dollars from welfare. And if that weren't bad enough, he also didn't do the work that he was hired to do. I think that that whole story sort of clouds the larger issue here, though, because there's still a question about what he was actually hired to do. You know, the contract that the nonprofit produced that led to that claim is like, clearly a fraudulent document in my perspective. The signatures don't even look real. Mm. Um, the contract is essentially like a badly formatted email. Um, and so Favre's attorneys are going to look at that and say, you know, we, we can't hold us to this. We didn't ever even saw this, right? Additionally, the contract says that Favre will, will go to these speaking engagements if he has time. I mean, that is a stipulation in the contract. <laughs> so I, I don't know that that part of the story is really as important. I think that that's been kind of a distraction from the larger issue, which is that 
they were making verbal agreements, text message agreements about how this money would be used. And the $1 million that Brett Favre received from the department was just a pretext to getting more money to the volleyball stadium. He did pay the $1.1 million back, um, you know, saying again that he didn't know that it came from welfare. And so, um, you know, he was willing to, to pay that money back. He did not pay the interest on it. So the auditor is saying that he still owes interest related to, you know, him having this money for so many years. Coming up, whether Brett Favre will face criminal charges for what he allegedly did. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Anna, it does occur to me now that you have said the phrase volleyball stadium probably more times <laughs> than you ever anticipated you would in your journalism career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But given how central this particular stadium has been to so much of your reporting, I am curious if you've ever actually seen it in person. So I broke that story back in 2020, shortly after the arrests. I found out that that $5 million in welfare money went to the volleyball stadium. And I went down there and visited. And it was actually funny. They were doing construction work still on the sand courts, the beach volleyball courts, which are next to the stadium. And so I kind of didn't know what I was looking at. I was like, is that the volleyball? What is that what we were talking about? <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, no, no, it's this big, nice building right here. And so we kind of, my photographer and I kind of sneak into the building and look around and kind of hang out for a minute. It's a very nice court. It's a very, very nice court. Sounds like it. Yeah, I think it seats about a thousand people. And just to make this point, the amount of people that we could have served with that money in very meaningful ways would have filled that volleyball court eight times. I mean, Anna, the, the, the larger reaction here, you've established the particular culture of sports in Mississippi and the cult of personality around a, a legend 
like Brett Favre in his home state. What has the reaction been to your reporting and all of the information that has been made available now to the public? You know, unfortunately, the thing that I hear a lot is that people aren't surprised. Brett Favre was also connected to a scheme down in Hattiesburg related to prescription compounding. He was never charged within that, but there have been many kind of scams that he has been tangentially tied to. And people in Mississippi know that about him. So where, you know, the rest of the country might just be finding out what kind of person he is, people in Mississippi are not necessarily surprised. Yeah, and to be clear, Brett Favre has had scandals in the sports world as well. He was accused of sending inappropriate cell phone photos to a New York Jets team reporter. But this scandal in particular, it does seem like there might be serious legal consequences. So I'm curious about what the criminal aspect of this looks like to you. Are there charges coming for Brett Favre? That's a great question. Uh, The FBI is still investigating. They did question him back in 2020. Um, The Biden administration has just nominated a new U.S. attorney in this district that will inherit the investigation. And I think we're going to see, you know, some more movement now that that uh, position has been filled. And as far as his exposure and liability, I mean, someone in this scam has already pled guilty to defrauding the government related to the money that went to the volleyball stadium. So it has already resulted in a criminal charge. And in that plea agreement where that person has pled guilty to that, and I'm talking about Nancy New's son, in that plea agreement, it says that this person worked with John Davis and others in order to funnel this money fraudulently to the volleyball stadium. So we're just waiting to find out who those others are and if they're going to be held accountable. And so at the end here, Anna, as we are very fascinated by the sports figure in the story, Brett Favre. I do want to acknowledge that your beat is far larger, as you established. <laughs> your your interests are, are broader than just the sports angle on this. And you mentioned you're in Jackson. And Jackson, obviously, has been at the center of an entirely different but seemingly related staggering news cycle around water and not having it, clean water, for a month and a half now before this boil advisory was lifted last week. How do you see everything that we just discussed in the larger picture of your work? Sure. Yeah, I've got my my water jug sitting right here next to me at my desk. We um, have been without clean water for many months now, and they actually just lifted the boil water notice here in Jackson, but most of us feel like we still can't trust what's coming out of our faucets. You know, this is a larger systemic problem. I'm glad that Mississippi is getting national attention. I'm glad that we're in the headlines. But this story is much, much larger than Brett Favre. I wonder if this story would be getting national attention if it weren't for Brett Favre. But it could have been anybody. You know, it could have been any athlete or any political crony that received this money and it wouldn't have made a difference to the people in poverty, the people that were supposed to be served with these funds who were not served that's a systemic problem. That's a welfare program that doesn't actually prioritize the end result of people leaving poverty. I'm frankly excited to to continue on in telling these stories. Um, You know, I think you mentioned the water crisis and this welfare story kind of fit really well together in terms of illustrating the state's regard for people who are suffering, you know, people who are vulnerable and marginalized. These are the folks that that I've sort of tried to write on behalf of since I started this job. 
you know, I live in Jackson. It's an 80% Black city, city with a high poverty rate, and I think that just makes it easier to ignore. And I've been covering this story about welfare spending in Mississippi for about five years now, and I always thought it was astonishing that in the most poverty-stricken state in the country that we weren't using the funds to solve poverty. These issues that I'm talking about, they span political leanings. People on either side of the spectrum are sick of these conditions that we're living in. This welfare story has really brought everyone together, I think, because when it comes to misspending and government waste and fraud, I think everyone has been able to get on the same page about this story. Whether we're talking about Brett Favre or just the larger story of misspending in Mississippi, we're tired of it. Anna Wolf of Mississippi Today, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for having me. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>